Julie Dolan. This is Liz Dolan. This is Sheila Dolan. This is Monica Dolan. This is Leon Dolan. News, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world one cup of coffee at a time. One cup of coffee at a time. You're listening to Satellite Sisters to To Go. Satellite Sisters to Satellite Sisters to Go. My sister Leanne, how are you doing today? Liz, we had to reimpose the no TV on school nights ban, and it's hardest on me, basically. Oh, we, we saw some dipping of the grades. You had let your guard down? I had. We were indulging in American Idol, and no, no more. I didn't, couldn't watch it last can't night. Can't you TiVo it and watch it after the kids go to bed? I can't stay up that late, Liz. Oh, the okay. kids go to bed, and I go to bed two minutes later. So uh, so it's very sad. Didn't okay. get to watch it. All right. Poor Leanne. Monica, how are you doing in Portland, Oregon? Great. I guess it's appropriate. We had snow here on the last day of February. Oh, you wow. did? Yeah, the weather is kind of really changed. It's gotten very cold. And that's I mean, rare in Portland. Yeah, it's certainly colder than it was in Los Angeles this past weekend. I'm just remembering, Liz, our nice walk on the beach with Ferris on Sunday. Yes, Ferris is my dog. Monica and I went to the beach Sunday before the Oscars. And, you know, all the billionaires that live there, they were obviously going to the Oscars. There was not a single person home on that beach, wouldn't you say, Monica? On right. Well, I, I don't know where the billionaires were, Liz, on Billionaire's Beast. I guess they were at their uh, stylist getting ready for the big night, but I, we were not. I guess they were. Well, you know, every Wednesday on Satellite Sisters, we do the civility challenge. But Julie has been in London caring for her new granddaughter. And so she's normally the one that engages in this conversation with our envoy of civility, Dr. P.M. Forney. But we're just going to forge on without either of those two people today because there are some pressing civility issues we, the Satellite Sisters, have been faced with lately. Yes. So we need your point of view on how to handle some of these things. Also, if you're going through any serious civility challenge, you know, we can't be that helpful, but we can try. <laughs> We've gotten enough coaching from Dr. Forney over the years that we could take a stab at whatever your civility challenge is. So give us a call at 866-33-SISTER. That's 866-337-4783. But Monica, I understand we're starting with the situation you encountered here in Los Angeles. That's right, Liz. Well, you know, I was in L.A. this past weekend, so... Sheila and I could bring you that exclusive, exclusive <laughs> coverage from the red carpet of the Independent Spirit Awards. I mean, that it was, was groundbreaking. Yes. Yeah, the the interview in Spanish. Yes, that was uh, that was amazing. Nobody else on English language radio had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the director of uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that was just thrilling. Anyways, um, Monday night I had to go to the airport after work, and of course, Sheila was unable to give me a ride. Liz, you were busy. No problem. Yeah. I can, you know, go get there under my own steam. So I just said, I'll just take a taxi. And mm -hmm. Liz, you suggested this operation that you use there from your home office called Taxi Taxi. And when you said it's that... cute name, Taxi Yeah, Taxi Taxi. taxi. It seemed cute. Yeah. All I could think of was Pizza Pizza. <laughs> I just sat... I, I just... Taxi Taxi just did not sound like a legitimate operation to me. Oh, so you were already doubting it even before your situation developed. Yeah, it just seemed like a hokey name. Taxi Taxi, Pizza Pizza. Anyways, I called the guy. I told him I needed a taxi for four. And he said, I'll call you on the cell phone. I gave him my cell phone number. So he arrived exactly at four o'clock so That's that made good. me very happy because of course you know rush hour in la when is it from like two in the afternoon till eight at night yeah, eight or nine. Nine. yeah. Yep. 
as know, long as there are no overturned trucks, and then it just lasts all night. Yeah, I mean, if you are going to the airport in Los Angeles at 4 o'clock, you have to allow a lot of extra time. Plus, when you get to LAX, it's kind of rush hour. It's the busiest time of the night at the airport. So I wanted to allow plenty of time. So he calls me on the cell phone. All good. I go downstairs. He gets out. He called me by name. He goes, Monica, hello. I'm so-and-so. I don't remember what his name was. He said, where do you need to go? And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I said, well, I need to go to the airport. I need to go to LAX. And he said, when? I was like, well, now? I mean, I... That is a very bad start. That's an odd question. Yeah, he said, when do you need to go? I was like, well, now. That's why I called the taxi for 4 o'clock. And so then he kept asking me, what time is your flight? And you know what? I just didn't want to give him the details about what time. That that shouldn't concern him. No, I agree with you. Because if he knew your flight was at like 6 or 6.30, then he thinks he's got plenty of time. And what time your flight is, is irrelevant. The point is, you want to go to the airport right now in the most efficient way possible. That's all he needs to know. Right. He's not the one that has to stand in line at LAX and go through security at LAX at 5 o'clock. So I was very vague with my answer. I just said, well, you know, I kind of need to get to the airport now. He goes, okay, okay. Okay, you know, and then I asked him before I got... Do they always talk in doubles? Okay, okay, taxi, yeah, taxi, taxi, taxi. Monica, uh, Monica. So then I asked him before I got in the van, is it all right if I pay with the credit card? Because Liz, you told me the company accepts credit cards. And mm-hmm. he goes, yeah, sure, sure, no problem. He goes, you can just pay me the next time. And I was like, well, there's not really going to be a next time because <laughs> next I, time, I... Next time, <laughs> I, I don't live in Los Angeles. Okay. So we get in and he is said... It, this is shaping up to be odd already. We get in the van. He goes, now, Monica, um, I need to um, change my car. I don't want to take this car to the airport. It's too big. I want to get my own car. Is that okay? And I thought, well, all right. And then he said... And- okay, right there. I'm out of the taxi. taxi. I know, Leah. Yeah. This is when. And so then he said, "Well, giant red flag." I thought maybe he stole the taxi. No, he said this van. It, it, it's for the night shift. I have to fill it with gas, but it's right up here. It's right up here on Wilshire and 24th, and we're like on 17th. And he kept saying, "Is that okay?" And I was like, "Well, I guess so." But now the panic is starting to kind of set in. Yeah. So now we're going on two errands before we start to go to the airport. Okay, so then again, and the I, meter's running. No, no, there's no meter, Liz. This oh. is the this is the well, another issue with taxi, taxi. No meter, meter. <laughs> okay. No Please. meter running. You've used this service before, dozens of times. And this is I've never-, never had this situation develop. That's why I feel like this guy just hijacked a taxi, taxi. Right. It sounds right. like he's not even. He sounds like he's the gas filler. I, I, I don't know. So I asked him again, can I pay with the credit card? Then he starts rifling through the glove compartment. And, you know, I know a lot of times taxi drivers, they prefer cash. It's a pain in the neck to do the credit card. And they kind of do whatever they can to discourage you from using a credit card. Yeah, they do. And so he is now, Leon, rifling through the glove compartment. He's muttering to himself, oh, my God, I don't have any receipts. He's pulling out old napkins. We're, like, going to some gas station. We are not headed in the direction of LAX. And he says, no problem. Pay me the next time. And then I said, well, I mean, can I pay with the credit card? He goes, yeah, I'll just write down your credit card number. Oh. And that just sounded really fishy to me. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. So, <laughs> so Leah, then, so we drive eight. Because it's po- our credit card number, too. Yeah, I know it is. business card I know, I know it is, gals. I hope we don't take us down. I hope the whole family business doesn't go under with Taxi Taxi. So we drive 
eight blocks to the gas station, and I'm sitting there, and I said, you know what? Maybe you should tell me now if I need cash or not, because if I do, then I need to get out of this taxi and get another taxi right now. He goes, no, no problem, no problem. You pay, pay with credit card. Just give me the number. So we drive eight blocks. We get the gas. We get back in the uh, – we were still in the van. Then we drive another eight blocks in the opposite direction, and we get into now his car. It's not a taxi. So we have to, like, get my suitcase out, get in the car. It's like a – just this is his cab. personal vehicle. It's a gypsy cab. You're it's a, yeah, it's a it's his personal car, and uh, there is no meter again. And he goes, "Oh, now everything's good, Monica. We're on our way to the airport, but we've now eaten up twenty minutes of time." Yeah. And so, of course, what he does to compensate is he starts driving like an absolute maniac. I mean, he is insane. We are on Sentinella. And the whole time he is just muttering about the traffic and getting to LAX. He keeps asking me what time my uh, plane is. What I time said, was your plane? Just uh, it, was at six, it was at 6.15. Okay. I wanted to get to the airport by 5 o'clock at the latest. Sure. Okay. You know? Yep. And so he finds a receipt. He asks for my credit card. He's driving and he's pressing this pencil against the credit card and the carbon copy, Leon. I just was like, it was so stressful. So finally I asked him, there's no meter. How much is it? He goes, well, it's 35 or $40. <laughs> he didn't even give me. I said, you know what? I just wrote $35. No tip. No tip for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. forget the tip. No. All right. We did get to the airport. He was like apologizing. Thank you, Monica. Look, you're here in plenty of time. Isn't this wonderful? You're at the airport. And there's just no way I was going to tip the guy. When he said it was 35 or $40, and I usually always tip. Yeah. I just thought, you know what? 35 bucks, buddy. That's all you're getting. <laughs> yeah. Because that was not a good cab ride. <laughs> that was ridiculous okay. what just happened there. And there are just so many points along that story <laughs> where you could have and maybe should have bailed. Which yeah, is, but you know what, Liz? What do you do? You're trapped in the cab. I know. You, 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 you've got to get there. And yeah, that has happened to me. This is why I don't want to badmouth all taxi drivers. Some are very nice, but I have had more just hellacious taxi rides to places. You know, when I've been on business trips, I was with the guy once who kept falling asleep at the wheel. Oh, and yeah. I finally had to hit him a couple of times. I kept saying, hey, are you okay? I mean, he, we were going 70 miles an hour. On the highway, and he was nodding off. That's yeah. happened. That happened to me. Yeah, the and the car was drifting. It was so terrifying. But you know what? I had to get to the airport to get on my plane. Yeah. So what am I going to do? Let me off on the side of the road? I mean, I was like like a highway, and it was in Detroit, and it was January. Oh my gosh! So anyways, all right. So taxi, here's our taxi. question for you: What would you have done if you were Monica? What advice would you have for Monica after the fact? Should she have bailed immediately? Were there so many red flags that she should have gotten out at the gas station and started the process over again? Would you have tipped the guy? Like, yeah. Did she owe taxi taxi? A tip tip <laughs> I, I i think the no tipping was i mean you should tip for good service yes i, I don't i think you that received was... no service no service gets no tip <laughs> all right our phone number is 866-33-SISTER it's just one of our civility challenges for today 866-337-4783 what would you have done if you were monica dolan we're the satellite sister sisters <laughs> Thank you.
We're your girls. We're the Satellite Sisters, and we need your help today with some serious civility challenges. We have a series of challenges we are going to pose to you. The first is Monica's. You just heard about her egregious cab ride. If you want to call in and give her any advice, our number is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Would you have bailed? I'm Liz Dolan, and I am here with my sisters Monica Dolan and Leon Dolan. All right, so here's the deal, Monica. You had several opportunities where you could have just terminated the taxi taxi cab Right, ride. I, I could have not gotten in the taxi when he said... Uh, he, when he said, I have to go to the gas station. And then we're sitting in the car. He said, I have to make a few stops. The gas station, then I have to change the car. The dry cleaner. Leave this one for the night shift. Do you mind? Where It's just a couple of blocks. But, you know, a couple of blocks the wrong direction, then a couple of blocks the wrong direction again. And now we're 20 minutes into the taxi ride. All right. Well, Misty has some good advice. Hey, Misty, <laughs> you're on with the Satellite Sisters. How are you? We're great, Misty. All right, what do you think Monica should have done? Well, I, I think I would, if it would have been me, I would have had a gut-feeling moment, um, probably right away when he didn't know where I was going. But then yeah. also when he took me to the um, location to change vehicles, I think I think I would have had to bail there. Yeah. You know yeah. what? The problem was, I, I mean, Misty, I would have. The problem was now 20 minutes has gone by, and I'm in Los Angeles, and I don't know the names of any other taxi companies you know i don't have see them that's on my... why i use taxi taxi it's right. easy to remember I, I taxi ha- taxi i don't have them on my cell phone it's not like taxis are cruising by that's why i decided just to stick with it but misty i think you make a good good point listening to your gut yeah are you good at that misty well yeah i think so okay because that's i, I th- think though I, I think i would have just maybe did you remember the number for pizza pizza <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sure the pizza guy would have taken you to the airport I if, guess. You, if you tipped him enough. <laughs> For 35 bucks. Nice... I guess I could have called Sheila, but that I think would have set a cha- set off a chain of panic that I didn't want to deal with. So, Misty, thank you for your phone call. Oh, gosh. Do we have time for Mary's call? All right, Mary in Louisiana, it sounds like you had a horrible cab ride. Yeah, this was leaving Disney World a few years ago. It was about four years ago, and it was one of those taxi rides that you hope you never have. But yes. the guy kept falling asleep. And That's so terrifying. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old in the back seat, and I was pregnant. And you think you're going to die at any oh. moment because he's swerving all over the road. And you know, you're leaving Disney World, and you just expect that the taxi drivers are going to be as great as your whole week was. Yeah. You know, Disney has no control over that, but you think they do, and it was horrible. So when we went, as we were pulling up to the airport, one of my children got sick in the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice little tip. <laughs> Mary, thank you for your phone call. 866-33-SISTER. Wow, that's a bad cab ride. Yeah, it is. One thing to be in it with the bad cab driver alone, but with, like, your whole family. Yeah. Woo! I guess the answer to that is the Magic Express, Liam. (laughs) That's true. They're at Disney World. All right, more civility challenges. I have a doozy. Oh, you do? I got one. Can't wait, Liam.
are the Satellite Sisters, and honestly, we are trying as hard as we can. It's Wednesday, so it's civility challenge time here at Satellite Sisters. And remember, sisters, at the beginning of the year, we asked Dr. P.M. Forney for his words of advice, like what could we carry with us through the whole year? And what did he say? He said there were three things that we needed to try to be in 2007. We needed to be calm, strong, and kind. Mm-hmm. And that if you could pull off all three of those things simultaneous, simultaneously, that was civility. Okay. And we're at the end of month two now. Two, <laughs> mo- two, yeah. two months in to uh, 2007. Liz, I think I was strong, calm, and kind in Taxi Taxi. I, Maybe too kind. Like I, I didn't say, get let me out now. You yeah. know, and I, I said thank you at the end. But... <laughs> No tip. No, no tipping. No tip for you, taxi taxi. No tip for you, but I wasn't, I didn't say that was the worst taxi ride of my life. Yeah. I, I just. Okay, well, I guess Dr. Forney would approve of that. So we've got our challenges. We know you do too. Our number is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Leon, I understand you're facing one. Yeah, here's one I've really been struggling with for a while. It's been, it's been a an issue for me and I don't know how to deal with it so I'm going to ask you guys and if I don't like your answer I'm going to ask Dr. Forney next week (laughs) okay you remember like in October I told you that my son was getting bullied at school he was getting teased my sixth Mm -hmm. grader yes and there were three kids that were um, leading the charge. They were mm-hmm. making fun of his voice because he has a high voice that hasn't changed yet. Okay, Which you thing. enjoy as his mom. But it was really upsetting to him, and I went to the school, and the school handled it very quickly. So did the teasing stop? Not 100%, but it wasn't as bad. Uh-huh. And at that point, my son's like, please don't go to the school again. And I didn't. So I never talked to the parents of the kids involved because the school handled it directly with the children, and I was satisfied. Okay, flash forward to about a month ago. We're in a, 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 a city council race now, okay? A wide open city council race. We have six candidates now going for it. Mm-hmm. So I actually get an email message from somebody at the school. They'd like me to come to a signing for one of the council members, like a meet and greet and sign his petition to run. It's the father of one of the kids that's bullied my son. Uh Aha. So this could be your opportunity to face him down. down. You know, but again, I'm like, the school handled it. I really don't know this guy at all. He's not been a big presence at school. So in the boys in a different grade so i do decline the signing i'm like you decide I, to rise above it though. i said i cannot mm-hmm. I, I can't support him so i didn't say that i said i can't make the signing okay, okay? Mm-hmm. all right all right that now two weeks ago he's an officially a candidate and everything knock 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 on my door hi i'd like to introduce myself i'm so and so and there he is standing at my front door mr bully the father of the bully the father of the bully And what do I do, Liz? Do I do anything? I really thought in that moment, what would Dr. Forney do? Mm -hmm. And I just let him talk and talk and talk. And he mentioned my kids go to this school. I didn't say a word. I pretended I had no idea who he was. Yeah, I think that was the right thing to do. I mean, I don't think it was the time to bring up his son's bullying. You know what, though, Monica? It started to kind of eat at me. After I shut the door, and I'm like... Because you felt like it was a week. That was your opportunity, and... Not to confront him, but just to disclose. Like, I didn't even want to start talking about the school issues and everything, because I thought, I'm going to go there, but maybe that that was not 
honest of me. Maybe mm-hmm. I should have been more honest with him. Like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And, yes, our kids are in school together. I don't like your son. <laughs> okay. but then, I don't think you needed to disclose that in that moment, Leah. Okay, but then. I'm he, with Monica. Okay, but here's what happened then. I start getting the campaign literature. Uh-huh. And I also happen to know that these guys, this family is divorced. I right. have known the wife for a very long time. We were in a mommy and me class when our second kids were little young. So I know they split about five years ago. I don't care if he's a divorced dad running for city council. Could care less. That's fine. I know he's trying to prove he's got kids and invest in the town. But there on his campaign literature is like a five-year-old Christmas card photo of the whole family together, including his ex-wife. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's dishonest. It's dishonest, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, don't you think that's slightly – it's put there to design – for a response. Right. It's put there to deceive. And that, and you know, you're a dad, and you have kids in the schools. Great, that's that. I think is information. But there was just something about the five-year-old photo. I thought you didn't even get a fresh photo, so yeah. I'm not sure that the wife's, the ex-wife's, on board with this. Because again, now I know what the kids look like. It's an old photo, so I'm riled up now. And I think you know, the next time he comes to you, you're dark, not just looking for things to ding him on, Leanne. At this know, point, no, it's you're just, looking for flaws. No, I mean, I thought that was kind of deceptive. Right. It really struck me as and like, Leanne has to make her decision somehow, right, about whether he should be on the city council. We have a wide open city council race with a lot of important issues, Liz. I got a lot of pressure because seriously, they're knocking on this weekend. They knocked on my door like every single candidate knocked on my door. This wow. I kid you not. Six candidates. So I decide if he knocks on my door again, I'm going to tell him exactly why I'm not voting for him. Right. OK. And that's because his son is a bully. No. One reason I just said personally, that's hard. And two, the deceptive campaign literature. Here's, oh, here's what okay. I know about you. And neither things make me think great candidate. Yeah. Let's put him on. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what's happening at home, but if your son's picking on other kids, maybe you should tend to that. That's my feeling. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that, that part of it seems a little harsh to me. I know Not that. to vote for someone because his son is a bully. It does? Well, you know what? If your son was crying at your feet, you probably wouldn't think that. That's, maybe really, that's true. really, really mean to my son. So yeah. I don't really of all. I have excellent candidates to choose from, including the guy that owns the rib joint. And so <laughs> I don't see why I should have to vote for the bully's dad. Okay. So this weekend, I got all the candidates. They're they're showing up at my door. They're knocking on my door. You Are know. you some kind of swing vote in the neighborhood? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is, Liz? I'm the only one without a sign on the front. Oh. Almost so all. So you look they, wide open. Almost all of our other neighbors have declared who they're voting for and we are just supporting the library's measure C. That's all we've declared. <laughs> Do you think there could be some awareness you also have a nationally syndicated radio show? No, I no. don't think okay. so. I, I don't think that's what it is. So again, here he comes up the front. I open the door. It's someone from this guy's candidate candidate campaign. It's his campaign manager. Yeah. And the son. The bully. The bully. Wow. It's That's quite a combo, Leah. Standing at the front door. So I think now Dr. Forney would be proud of me because I am not deciding to not actually voice my opinions to yeah. the campaign manager. And the son introduces himself, and I did have one small moment of triumph over youth <laughs> when I said, yes, I know who you are. I'm Brooks's mom. And there was oh. just a flash of fear in this young child. And that made you happy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, that's what you that really wanted? <laughs> just.
It was all about that, really, wasn't it? (laughs) Maybe that was awful. But again, I felt like that's who I am, and you should know that's who I am. And that's why I'm not voting for your dad. No, but you you can go home and tell him that. (laughs) Leanne, but you didn't mention to the campaign manager or the son about the deceptive campaign no, material because the sun was there right. and that I was a, a good choice i think that real, was yeah, okay. being uh kind yes, out of the strong you. calm and kind that thank was the you. kind gesture thank you and again if your child has ever been bullied you just wanna you want to have your moment face to face with the bully you know well, yeah because i know he's in seventh grade he's 13 he knows what he was doing you know yeah. what I mean? He knew it. Well, if he didn't know that, he knows now. He knows I'm now. sure you gave him the Leon stare. <laughs> We've all gotten that look, haven't we, Monica? <laughs> the, the stink eye. The, the don't mess with me stink eye. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, if you're in seventh grade, that would terrify you. <laughs> it just, he didn't know what to say after that. His lines and the campaign manager kept pressing me. And then I got yet another phone call from the campaign, by the by. Like asking me once again. Well, I don't think you should vote for them because they're badgering. Is that a is that a charge? Because, but I am kind of wondering. I said to my husband, you know what? If they call again, and I'm sure they will, because the election's in a week, so there's still time. I said I am going to tell them because it's the combo of the personal, the mm-hmm. but also the campaign literature that bugs me. Yeah, you know, you want, begin to wonder what else isn't true. Right. I mean, well, I think that's legit. Yeah. That, <laughs> but you think I went a step too far by no, introducing no, myself? No, I think it's okay to introduce yourself. I'm not sure that not voting for the father because you don't like the son, it seems. It's not the, so much that. It's, it does make me wonder what's happening at home. I, okay. I just think, you know, bullies are acting out about something. Okay, that's your right as a voter, Liam. Yes, it is. That's the democratic process at work. <laughs> People can make their voting decisions based on really flimsy bases, things that really have nothing to do with how you would serve the community. <laughs> that's that's your right. Okay, All right. Our number is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. If you've ever been faced with anything like that, like Leon's current dilemma, let us know what you did. There's one more question I wanted to ask that oh. I want to get everyone's point of view on. What do you do? This is the time of year where frequently in a workspace, and I've been doing this to all of you this week. This is why I ask. You're trapped next to someone or near someone who is coughing and sneezing, and you just want to say, couldn't you please stay home? Have you ever actually said that to someone? Do you think you have the right to say that to someone? Because I ask myself that all the time. And I would have been happy if you guys had told me to go home earlier in the week. But I am <laughs> feeling I better now. Now I have enough. a cold, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> so if you've ever faced that, the you know cubicle germs, give us a call. 866-33-SISTER. How did you handle that nicely? With civility. 866-337-4783. We're the Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters, and I have a civility challenge for you. If you have a coworker who is coughing and sneezing all over you, 
I've always wondered, do you have a right to say to them, you know what, you should really stay home when you're this sick. I mean, we know a lot about how germs get passed from person to person now. And I know when you're with our sister Sheila, she just holds up a shield of antibacterial wipes. I'm not sure if that works. Anyway, have you ever taken the law into your own hands with that kind of thing? Our number is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. But first, Leanne, okay, reluctantly, I will admit, you are getting support for your position that it's okay to terrify the seventh grade. That was not my position. Barbara from Oklahoma, that was not my position, was it? No, it wasn't. You didn't terrify him. You just let him know who you were. Okay, thank you, Mm -hmm. Barbara. I think you did a wonderful job. Dr. Forney should be proud of you. Oh, Barbara, thank you so much, because it would have been easy to really let loose on that kid. Oh, yeah, I raised the boy. It would have been so easy, so easy to to let go more than you did, and... uh, Dr. Forney should be proud. Oh, Barbara, thank you so much. That means a lot to me, Barbara. Thank Thank you for your call, Barbara. (laughs) It is true. I think, Barbara, you'd be particularly impressed if you knew Leanne as well as we do. You know, <laughs> I know she was able to uh, hold her I know tongue. you know Leanne, but the, you know, yes, I think it's even more impressive when you take her entire life history into account. So, Monica, you're, you're a nurse. Have you ever said to a coworker, don't come to work when you're this sick or please stop sneezing on me? Or what do you do when somebody is around who's obviously sick and has the potential to infect you? You know what? This is, well, first of all, frequent hand washing. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> frequent hand washing for yourself. Um, this is what I used to do, it, you know, cause I worked in a big office, a lot of people, a lot of cubicles, you know what? I would just gently suggest that they go home and kind mm-hmm. of offer to do their work for them. Sometimes that's all someone needs. You come to the office, you feel really, really lousy, but there's like a big project or a big deadline and you feel like you're going to let your coworkers down or they're going to think you're a wimp if you don't come to work. I think if you tell them they look really sick, right? Okay. <laughs> you know, but you do it in a way that's like you—you you really don't look good. You should go home. Almost well, you are th- a trained diagnostician. No, so but because almost, you are almost, an RN, almost always they take the bait and they say, "Yeah, I do feel really lousy." I think sometimes coworkers—they just need reassurance that you know what, we'll cover for you. Yeah, don't worry about it. You look terrible, but really. You know, you're kind of trying to save your own skin, too, because you know they're going to make you sick. You know, if you have to work very... with them and you have to get in a cubicle together and sit down and work on a project together. So I think offering to do their work, offering to cover for them is the best thing you can do. I think that is a totally civil and appropriate response. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed, Monica. Yeah, Monica. Well, there's a, a reason idea. you always win the civility challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, people used to do the same thing to me, too. Really? I mean, I used to go to work when I w- had a cold and probably shouldn't have been there. And, you know, I just remember the times the people I worked with in my group would say, you know what? You look lousy. I'm sure you feel lousy. Just go home. We'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. All right. Melinda has, a, has kind of a different approach. Melinda, what do you think? I say tell them. Okay, tell them what, though? (laughs) Tell them to either leave the area where you are or, Mm -hmm. you know, just let them know about the germs they're spreading when they cough. (laughs) My husband at home, I was just saying that, I he has to leave the room if he starts coughing. (laughs) Way to go, Melinda. That's the way to run the ship. Well, my kids get sick very easily. They have compromised immune systems. Uh So I'm very aware of how easily germs 
attach themselves to unsuspecting people. Right. <laughs> right. And when you call, you know, the droplets, which is gross, but they really travel quite a distance. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Melinda. And, and you're training your husband. Good for you, Melinda. So Melinda from Pompano Beach, Florida, taking the hard line. Just tell them, hey, you could be making people sick. To get out of your space. Tell them to get out of your space. That's one way to go. All right. Carol in Michigan used to manage an office. So Carol used to manage an office. How did you handle this? Well, I used to give my pre-cold flu season speech to my managers every year and uh, talk about how important it was to stay home and use your sick leave if you became ill because to bring the infection into the workplace wasn't appreciated. But I would start that monologue way before cold and flu season so I wasn't put in a position to single anybody out mm-hmm. and then discuss it through the whole season um, If people would take a day off, I'd always check in when they came back to see how they were feeling and thank them for staying home while they were ill. Carol, you sound like the best manager ever. (laughs) I I am. All right. Way to go, Carol. This Carol managed our office. Carol, you deserve some sort of special civility citation. If Dr. Forney was here, he would tell you that. But you'll just have to take it from your satellite sisters. I like the macro approach with the support of the personal care. And the follow. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Thank you for staying home. It when, is. When, when did a boss ever say that to you? Unbelievable, Carol. Huh? Wow, Carol, Monica, putting us all to shame. And Melinda, <laughs> you got to appreciate the hard line. That's all I have to say. I think you have to appreciate the hard line. All right, Dr. Forty will be back next week with the civility challenge. So please, if you are seeing challenges in your old life, in your own life, you can go ahead and email us at SatelliteSisters.com. We're the Satellite Sisters. Oh, yeah, we are tackling the world one cup of coffee at a time. We are so happy to be with you here on the last day of February. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Los Angeles with my sister, Leanne. How are you, Leanne? Ready to go, Liz. <laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> That's I'm always good to ready hear. To go. Ready to go. All right. And Monica, how about you? Ready to go? Oh, ready to go, Liz. <laughs> ready to just finish out the month strong here in Portland. This is it. We're wrapping up February. I know later on in the show, Monica, we will have your patented, believe it or not, news quiz. Yes, my news quiz, uh, we're going to bring you three weird news stories, two are true and one I made up, and you have to guess which one I made up. Okay, it's a new day. New day. Normally, believe it or not, was on Thursday. Oh, that's right. But now it's on Wednesday. Right. Okay, just want to update people. Cozy Couch is on Thursday. Right. Lab Rats. Don't worry, fans. Lab Rat's still on Friday. Always on Friday. Do you want to give us any hint, Monica? Believe it or not, always has a theme. Would you you like to get Leon and I started on what the theme could be? Well, all I'll say is weird news happens every day. So it didn't matter that I had to change my day for Believe It or Not. Let's see the theme. Mm, It's food related. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Food related. Well, that's interesting. We have a whole series of food stories we wanted to bring to you today. Can I just say, I know we like to honor important Americans who have passed on, people that have changed our lives in some way. We made a big deal a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember when the actor who starred in the Grey Poupon ads died? Yes. We just felt like it he... Sad. It was sad. Because it's just something you remember. He certainly made his mark on us. An I know icon. he was... Yeah, he was an icon. He was also in all these plays and movies and things. But <laughs> it was the Grey Poupon commercial that really had an impact on us. Well, I was thinking of him this morning, Monica, when I saw the news 
about the Keebler Elf? Yeah, that's right, Liz. I saw that Walker Edmiston. He was the voice of Ernie, the Keebler Elf. He passed away in Los Angeles this weekend. It's very sad. Let's remember what joy the Keebler Elf brought to our lives. So if you're looking for fun, new mini middles, the bite-sized surprise from Keebler. I can't remember when we've been this excited. Oh, there he is. See, don't you miss him already, Liz? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yes, I do, Liz. <laughs> but you know what, Liz? He had a very long career in, yeah. uh, in uh, television and in cartoons, I guess. He voiced a lot of characters on some show created by Sid and Marty Croft. Right. And then he was on H&R Puff and Stuff. He was yeah, he HR, played HR, HR, whatever, H and R. It's H and R Block, yeah, and HR Puffin. All right, HR Puffin stuff. I just did a little Sheila there on you, uh, but he was also in some TV series. He was in Gunsmoke, Mission Impossible, and The Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Wow, yeah. But he was Doctor Blinky and Orson the Vulture on HR Puffin stuff, hmm. and on The Bugaloos, he was Sparky the Firefly. Oh, that was a good show. So that's a rich, full life, Walker Edmondson. Your satellite sisters salute you. All right. Well, I had a little uh, food dilemma yesterday. Did a little grocery shopping anthropology because I I, I had a mystery (laughs) that I had to uncover. Okay. Here's the backstory. I was um, making dinner to take to a friend who recently had an operation. So um, I signed up to bring Mission of Mercy. That's right. But everybody in the class is bringing dinner one night for the next month. And I always sign up for that because when I was on bed rest with my youngest son, Colin, people showed up at the door and brought me food. It's Mm -hmm. the most miraculous thing ever. (laughs) Right, Lee. And I was there at your house when you got that pork roast from your neighbor. I know. You started to cry. I did. It was the most beautiful thing ever, that pork roast. (laughs) And so that's what I do when something happens and the call goes out. Sign me up. I've got the meal. You know, because I figure most people, by the time I'm involved, they've had enough casseroles. Like, they can't take any more casseroles, which are delicious and delightful. But I make the butternut squash soup, roasted butternut squash soup with red peppers. Then I make a lovely chicken salad. Because that's what our mother taught us. Yes. And then I always make a vegetarian offering because we have a lot of vegetarians. And then I buy. In the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I buy in California in general. I see. Okay. So I was making the lovely chicken salad yesterday and I thought, this mayonnaise looks a little weird. And so I was, say that again. The mayonnaise, the mayonnaise looked a little weird. Oh, Liz. okay. I was a little concerned and I thought, is it bad mayonnaise? Oh my gosh, I've just mixed it into all the chicken I just oh, cooked. Oh, no. Now what do I do? Yeah. And so I voiced that out loud, and then my 11-year-old went, oh, yeah, that tuna fish you made for lunch today, Mom, it was weird. It was all yellow and green. I was like, well, that doesn't sound good. So <laughs> I, but, he, but he ate it anyway. No, he threw it away. He threw it away. Oh, and he lived to tell. So oh, I, you're a Leon. Good mom. I looked at the label, and it was, I, I somehow, I managed, even though I am the consummate grocery shopper, to buy Eggless mayonnaise. Oh. Eggless mayonnaise. See, now I make mistakes like that all the time because I am not the consummate grocery shopper. I don't care. I blow through there. I'm not really paying attention. But you, Leanne, you pride yourself on the mastery of the grocery aisle. It's unbelievable. And first of all, what is in mayonnaise if it's eggless? <laughs> because mayonnaise. Probably some soy suspension or yeah. oil. Oh. Or... I know. the whole. Well, if would... you don't like eggs. 
And you need mayonnaise. I know, I guess, but at that point, wouldn't you just move on to cream cheese? I mean, doesn't that really kind of solve the same bonding issue? So I thought, first, immediately, what am I going to do? Because the chicken salad's a little yellow, and that just looks unappealing. Yeah. So you know what I always do. I just top it with some sour cream. I just mix the sour cream right in there, and it neutralized the yellow mayonnaise. But then I thought, how how did I buy this? How did this happen? So You I, really cared that much about how the mistake was made? Yes, Liz, uh, I did. Because, I, again, I'm a good grocery shopper, so I took my mind back. And I remembered the moment when I reached, and it was in a furor for the wrong mayonnaise. Because I was... Holiday. Did someone create a diversion in the aisle? Is he, that it? Here's I was holiday grocery shopping. And ladies, you know what I'm talking about. If you're the grocery shopper in the family, okay, don't ever go shopping on the holidays like a Monday off, like a national holiday, because that's a disaster list. In what way? You I don't what, understand. You know who comes to the grocery store on national holidays? People like me. No, yeah, and like... <laughs> Thank you. People that you usually don't shop. Right. Go, and gum up the aisles. They're gummy. Husbands, okay? Oh, they husbands. Come. Have you seen them? Have you seen them walking down the aisles of grocery stores? It's like they can't get over how much food there is in a grocery store. Honestly. I mean, gay men, you can shop. Come any time. Other men, not very good at the shopping. So I remember that particular day, like lots of wives whose husbands happened to be along in the car, and they were just wandering around with their free sample of coffee looking at all the food products like they had never <laughs> seen food before. <laughs> and that just makes – and they just stand there, and you're there with the cart, and you're like, I have to grocery shop. You're on a mission of mercy. So uh, then, I, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, and then there was that family at the free sample table, Okay. Okay, here's what the mother did. First of all, again, they looked like a very wealthy family, so I believe the household help mainly did the grocery shopping for so them. So they were unfamiliar they, with the terrain? Yeah, at that point, here's what you're supposed to do, family, just in case you're listening. Just send in one representative, and Dad, you take the kids to Starbucks, okay? You all <laughs> don't need to come into the little Trader Joe's that has extra small aisles and gum up the free sample area. I mean, it's free samples, okay? So they have coffee there. There's always some sort of, you know, pizza they're cooking up or whatever, and juice. And I saw the mother, I kid you not, okay, that's got the three kids, the father, again, just standing there. They're all eating. All their hands are full. Who's going to push the cart, Liz? And this is what the mother says to the free sample woman. Could you get some cheese for the baby? Do you have any string cheese? It's the free (laughs) sample area. What did she think that was? I don't know. A fast food outlet at Trader Joe's? I just... And you know what the woman did? She went over and she opened some string cheese and brought it back. And I'm like, have you never been to a grocery store? <laughs> and that is exactly the moment when I reached for the eggless mayonnaise. Oh, I see. Because I just had to get out of there. The the husbands coming up the aisles and the families and, you know, having a three-course meal. And then, of course, short order samples. Unbelievable. Do you have any string cheese? <laughs> Please. So that's Okay, it. well, I'm glad you found people to blame this on. I know. Because that it wasn't as simple as just you making a poor choice no, in the grocery store. No. Because that cannot happen? Because there was a lot of just reaching in and taking stuff like I couldn't. They wouldn't get out of the way. So I had to just reach in and feel around for my normal groceries. Mm-hmm. So that's who mystery Ooh. solved. How did the chicken salad come out? Delish. Okay. You know, delish. <laughs> it's just a, it's a fail. I put in, like, the candied walnuts and the cut-up 
apples and the celery, a little bit of rosemary. That that sour cream just really covered up the yellow eggless mayonnaise. <laughs> you wouldn't even you wouldn't even notice it. Okay. And I have that's a- good. So in case there was any <laughs> cholesterol deficit, you made up for that. That's good. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's hey, I said any dietary restrictions, I always ask before oh, I bring yeah, the meal over. Mm-hmm. So I knew, Liz, there were no dietary restrictions. I'd already checked on that. <laughs> All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. We have more food talk. Okay. Five foods, sisters. Five foods that women cannot do without. Is it blueberries again? It's not eggless mayonnaise. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we're the Satellite Sisters. Sisters, I am Liz Dolan here with my sisters Monica Dolan and Leon Dolan. And Monica, Leon is here brandishing a copy of Health Magazine. It's <laughs> always a little scary. She comes in with news we're supposed to use from Health Magazine. I like Health Magazine. Though. I know you do. do you Leanne. Get it? I got, do not get it. It's just a touch. It's a touch of everything. I like to think about, but don't always practice. You know, it's nutrition. It's sort of mental health issues. There's always a lot of stories about soothing massages and candles. Yes. And I, I enjoy the mix. You know, there's usually maybe one fashion story, but not a lot. Not a lot of that. It's called Healthy health. fashion. And okay. Leanne, sometimes just lying back on the couch, flipping through a magazine like that makes you feel healthy. It does. <laughs> it makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get up off on the right foot now that right. I'm reading Health Magazine. Well, the, the March issue is about me time me me time and you know 15 minutes of health magazine that's me time yeah that's my me time sounds very cozy couch uh, when you put it that way so i came across <laughs> the top no it's a little bit more substantial than what sheila likes to tackle there's actual information in here oh, Liz, okay and there's no shards of peppermint in any of the articles in health magazine <laughs> i thought that was a miracle food no. All right. Top five foods for women. Okay. Superfood. Who doesn't like superfood? Can we guess? Okay. Go ahead, Monica. Take Blueberries? No. Not in this particular list. Dark Although, chocolate? No. Salmon? Fish. Okay. okay. We'll Number we'll... four on the list, fish. Okay. Fish twice a week could reduce the risk of heart disease. So there you go. Uh, nuts. Okay, uh, walnuts in particular. Mm. Oh. Have you noticed the uh, the oncoming popularity of walnuts? Yes. You know, didn't wasn't it like almonds? Weren't we on that bandwagon? Yes, we five were last year. Right. Yeah. No, the walnut is the new almond, Liz. Because I noticed in Doctor Oz's book, he's a big believer in the walnut. He's too. about the walnut. Yeah. And I noticed he keeps his nuts cold. Did you read that part? He no. Keeps, he keeps refrigerated <laughs> bags of nuts in his office. And that, he just likes them cold. He thinks that they taste better cold. They're more satisfying, he says. Oh, okay. So just FYI. Well, here's the thing. Nuts are rich in omega-3s, which help reduce inflammation. Yeah. Oh, just all over inflammation. Just full body inflammation. You know how you have that sometimes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I do, Leon. Here's the thing with walnuts, though. If you actually read the label and stuff, it's just a quarter cup. That you're supposed to have. See, that's why you can't buy them and have them in the home. No. Because when would you ever only eat a quarter cup? Which is like eight nuts. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, but they're so satisfying. If you do, if you can stick to just 
the five or eight nuts. They really satisfy you. Okay. Five nuts. That sounds I, cool. I can I can stick to that. You can for do an that? A, for an hour. Okay. And then I go back in the nut bin. And right. Then you have five more. See? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think I think you have to like immediately bag them when you get them home in the big bag and then uh, count out your eight nuts in each bag. But anyway, walnuts are on the list, fish, cranberries is mm, the berry oh, of choice. Cranberries here. the new blueberry? Yeah. Well, I think it's the old blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That was the pre-blueberry berry. Right. So, you know, it protects against your UTIs. Yes. That's actually true. And then... Oh, that's actually true? I know everybody believes it, but I always assumed it's one of those things that was not true. It's actually... It's in Health Magazine, Liz. Again, not in For Me or You or any of those magazines. (laughs) Sheila Buzz. First. in Health. (laughs) Okay. Adela, have you tried the unsweetened cranberry juice that's out? It's awful. I can't stand it. I know that cranberry juice, regular cranberry juice is full of sugar, and that's what I like. I cannot stand the unsweetened. (laughs) I I buy the the cran light, the the stuff with the Splenda in it. I think that's good. Oh, I think I don't. That's just, why when you offered it to me the other day, your house Liz, I didn't take it. I, I can't stand that stuff. All right. Well, I, I enjoy it. Sugar. Okay. All right. Well, it also helps fend off colds and fight stomach bugs, gum disease, and certain types of cancer. Wow. That's a superfood. Okay. Beans. Okay. Beans. Okay. I hate beans. Like you what d- kind of beans? Well, all, all your beans, Liz. Legumes. You, yeah. Kidney, garbanzo beans, black oh, okay. beans, that kind of thing. Okay. And you have to, of course, not... Get the ones with like the good ones, not the refried ones. Those <laughs> don't those don't work because they have the mag- super salty. Yeah, magnesium, potassium, folate, and fiber. But here's the deal: you have to eat a half a cup five to six times a week. That's a lot of beans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't it? That does seem it's like beans every day. That's yeah, almost that every beans, day. That's a serving every day. Yeah. What can we have well, instead of beans? Well, I don't. No, you don't know. Beans are beans. what you have instead. <laughs> Of rice. <laughs> Beans are the instead. Liz. I see, I see. Okay. All right. And then the number five food on the list, also big in Dr. Oz's book. Ben and Jerry's die. ice cream? That sadly no. Unless oh. they have a tomato flavor. Because it's tomatoes. Oh, oh yeah. That's good for me because tomatoes. I love tomatoes in all forms. Yeah. So there you go. One cup That has something in it that all of a sudden everybody says is really good for you. Like selenium or like something a bean. like that. Lycopene, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, 50% lower risk of developing breast cancer if you have a lycopene-rich diet. So there you go. Five superfoods, cranberries, walnuts, beans, fish, tomatoes. Check it out. This month's Health Magazine, just passing along some information. Thank you, Leah. All right, we are going to get to uh, the 8-year-old in England, weighs over 200 pounds. What do you think should be done in a case like that? Should a kid be taken away from his parents, or should his parents get a chance to get him on a healthier track? 866-33-SISTER. Give us a call.
still want to have your sisters with you, you can just go to SatelliteSisters.com. You can listen live at our website, or you can download what we're calling Podlight, the Satellite Sisters podcast. So your Podlight Sisters are always there for you. And if you want to send us an email, just go to SatelliteSisters.com, and you can do that there. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Leon Dolan and Monica Dolan. We want your opinion of what do you think about the that 200-pound boy in the U.K.? Should he be taken away from his parents, or if you were his parent, what would you do? But first, Monica, we were just joking about turning to the Mayo Clinic for information about mayonnaise. I know, and Liz, and it is so funny because we just got an email direct from the Mayo Clinic. <laughs> See? And the email is about mayonnaise, okay? <laughs> it's from our friend Mary. She's a study coordinator. She works at the Mayo Clinic. I'm she might be studying mayonnaise. I, we don't know. But she says technically, you know, it's not mayonnaise without an egg. Mm. See, we, we knew the Mayo Clinic would know the answer to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she did find a recipe for us for eggless mayonnaise mm-hmm. in case we were interested in it. And it's using like egg beaters or egg replacers, water, vinegar, mustard, oil. But uh, it was just great. Mayo Clinic responded. That's that's good. Got work. all the answers for mayonnaise. They're doing some important work there at the May- mayonnaise clinic. And Mary, <laughs> let me just say, I don't ever want eggless mayonnaise to cross my door again. <laughs> so thank you for the recipe. But I, I just am interested in full egg mayonnaise only. So any other Mayo information you have at the Mayo Clinic, you can send that along. Like. Full-size, full-strength, full-cholesterol mayonnaise. All right. Well, Liz, we're joking about all that full-size, full-strength, full-cholesterol. But one of the more captivating news stories of the week has been the story of the 8-year-old boy in England who weighs 218 pounds. Okay? And British authorities have debated, after seeing him on TV, whether um, they should take him away from his mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, have you seen the videotape of him? Okay. I have. I've seen pictures of him, Leanne. It just really breaks your heart, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because here he is. First of all, he's eight years old and he's five feet tall. So that's very so big. So he's a big kid no matter what. That's a big, that's a big tall kid. And 218 pounds is really big for a five foot person, yeah. especially for an eight year old kid. And you know, it's just going to be a lifetime of health problems. Mm-hmm. But his mom says he came out of the womb hungry. Like, the minute he was born, he was hungry. And he eats every 20 minutes a day. A documentary film crew followed him around for a month, and it really appalled England when they saw what he was eating. Because it's really? not just that he eats 20 minutes a day. He's definitely making He eats bad. every 20 minutes? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. He eats every 20 minutes. But he's definitely being allowed to eat food that is not healthy. You know, like four bags of chips every day, three bags of cookies, you know, mm-hmm. giant meals every day. So British officials said, now what should we do? Should we take him away from oh, his mom? Like it's a form of child abuse right. almost. And remember, neglect. we had that case earlier, like in 2000, 2001, there was a three-year-old girl in New Mexico who was, in fact, taken away from her parents. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had remember forgotten that? about that. We she, did talk about she that She was like time. 125 pounds or something, and she was three. And her parents said the same thing. Like, we, she's been on a liquid diet. It's just, she's just getting bigger. And custody officials came in. They suspected child abuse, some kind of child abuse, but that wasn't the case. According to reports I read today, she's 10 now, and she's still big. You know, even though they they could not solve the problem, they could not solve the problem. Doctors are like, what is going on with this girl? Because even if she's been on a tightly controlled diet and it hasn't worked. So British officials this week decided not to take 
this eight-year-old boy away from his mom. Well, were they going to take him away and put him in foster care? You know, they were going to take him away and hospitalize Uh, him is what they were going to do. And, mm. you know, when you think about it, you can kind of say, yeah, that's what he should do. I mean, with, like my immediate reaction was he needs to just get out of his some environment. Sort, yeah, some sort of intervention. Right. Because it's already a crisis. He's eight years old and 218 pounds. It is. It's a crisis, Monica. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's a health crisis, and you feel like he just needs to be taken out of his environment. He needs some serious medical care, something that his mom is not able to provide at home. But then, you know, I started to think about all the kids that I've seen in various play groups we've been in. They're some, big eaters. Some kids just like to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know there are a lot of reasons for obesity, and there are a lot of obese kids in America now, and it's a huge health, health problem. But I can remember two or three kids from different play groups. They were just different. They were the kids that ate a lot and were kind of chubby, but then there were the kids that their sole focus was eating. Really? You know, from the minute they were born. I remember one of the girls in my older son's play group, and nobody was more um, on top of nutrition than her mom. No one was, like, you know, more concerned about it. Right. And yet still, like, when all the other kids were playing, even at, like, 18 months old, she would just stand and wait at the snack table. Like, when is (laughs) that coming? I know. know. That is sad. And it's sad. And then I have another friend, she and her husband, thin as rails and you know very healthy fit people again they have a daughter that just that was her focus from the minute that she came out and they have another daughter totally fine normal eating habits so I I don't know if there's anything going on in the house so I don't know what to do I guess people naturally feel like the parents in this case the mother right they have to be responsible because they are in control of the access to food. That's right? true. So at the very least, if there were healthier choices in the house, you could solve part of the problem with that. And my understanding is they tried some medical interventions in the past. They had set her up with appointments and things. Right. And she was kind of blowing off that kind of help. Right. I mean, she, he has lost 20 pounds, but he's still eating really rotten stuff. So I guess she's she has she has actually helped him lose some weight. But he's still eating three pounds of chips a day. So, you well, know, that's wrong. That is wrong. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No. That, that is wrong. And I, I, that is wrong. So I don't know. But do you remove a kid from his home and put him in a hospital? Do you have the right to do that? It just doesn't seem like that could possibly be the long-term solution to right. a situation like this. That there's obvious, there are medical issues at work and there are emotional issues at work. And somehow you have to deal with both of them simultaneously. And you're not going to help the emotional issues by removing him from his family. Right. Unless I mean, his I'm family no doctor. is emotionally abusing him. I mean, right. that's what they thought uh, in the case in New Mexico. That's what they thought, that this little girl was you know, that it that she was suffering abuse and the eating was a response to that. But that was not, in fact, the case. All right, let's talk to Beth in Virginia. All right, Beth, when you hear about this case, what do you think about? Well, I, I've not heard this in, in the news about this little boy, but there's a, um, a rare disease called Crater Willie in which um, people have no uh, satiety um, or they have no sense of satiety, and so they just they just c- continually eat, um, and they can literally eat themselves to death. And um, a, a lot of times, these these folks are also have a, a little um, lower cognition uh, level. You know, they're uh, somewhat MR, mentally retarded. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
you know, it could it could be the case with this little boy and and that little girl in, in Mexico. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, it, it certainly is something that they should consider. Right, Beth. Thank you for your phone call. Eight six six thirty three sister. Eight six six three three seven forty seven eighty three. We're talking about the obese boy in England who is going to end up staying with his mom, but he's two hundred and eighteen pounds and he's eight years old. I think Beth brings up there are re- a good point. There are real medical reasons here, right? Right. And I think we get fixated on these sort of super dramatic cases when the reality is this little boy may have something like what Beth's talking about. I've read about that Prater Willie, um, but most parents are just not doing a good job. Right. Uh, Most of the childhood obesity problem is just bad eating habits in the home and not enough moving around. And not enough exercise. So I think we sort of get focused on these extreme cases when the reality is, you know, we just have to work on the cases that are a lot more normal. And all those bad foods he's eating, I bet most of England is eating those bad foods every day, too. (laughs) You know, it's not like, I mean, he may be eating more of all of this bad stuff, but there's just a lot of bad stuff in our diets that if you're eating a lot, it's particularly bad. Right. Well, we're all getting bigger. Americans are getting bigger and obesity has dramatically risen in England. In fact, yesterday, Liz, Prince Charles was, you know, talking about something. Who knows? I know know how you enjoy his (laughs) point of view on things, Liam. (laughs) All right. All right. He was in in Abu Dhabi talking Talking about diabetes, okay, and he said the key to actually getting rid of diabetes is getting rid of McDonald's. Oh, mm-hmm. how does he know I that? Know. Please, oh, come on, <laughs> Prince Charles. Please. You think he's been hating, hanging out a lot of Mickey D's yeah. in his life? I mean, do you think he's ever been to McDonald's? No. <laughs> I don't think that's the actual key. You know why? Because this kid's eating bags of cookies. And I can tell you, Prince Charles, they don't sell bags of cookies at McDonald's. <laughs> I've been there. I have been there. All right. Carrie is calling from Minneapolis. Hey, Carrie, you're on with the Satellite Sisters. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. All right. So I was- go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, go, you, yeah. go ahead. Well, you have a friend who has an 8-year-old son who's overweight. I do, and um, she's she's really kind of an outspoken person herself, but he's um, 8, he might have been 9 this year, but he's um, about 130 pounds. Okay, that's and he's heavy. always Yeah, he's always been big, um, but recently he's been getting more and more health problems. He's got asthma and, um, you know, intestinal problems and diabetes. And when the doctors, you know, tell her that, you know, she needs to put them on a diet, that the diets only last for a day or two, you know, and she takes that as an attack. She takes it as a personal attack from these doctors when they say that your son is, you know, morbidly obese and, you know, there's just nothing. I I feel so helpless, you know, there's nothing I can say to her. She just gets, she takes it very personally and she she doesn't respond in a way that's helpful to her son. She's got an excuse for it, you know, everything. He's he's big because everybody, you know, he comes from uh, a bigger family. And, um, you know, he just, he he gets whatever he wants. He gets Burger King, you know, a couple times a week. You know, that's mm-hmm. his favorite restaurant. Even I know, like, if we go to a fast food restaurant, what he's going to get. He, you know, he has his favorites. It's really pretty sad, but... Carrie, would you ever... I mean, you know, the question that they're facing in England is, should children be removed from their parents for something like this? I mean, I know she's... I think that, like, in her case, the scared... You know, she needs to be scared. The the parents need to be scared enough to realize that they're not doing something right. 
Wow, you would think a, a diagnosis of diabetes for your eight-year-old would scare you. Would get your attention. <laughs> you, well, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and she's obviously concerned about it, but it's like when I hear the story about the, the kid in England, it's like they need to start kind of doing something like that here because I know there's a lot of kids where if the parents don't do something and change something, you know, there's no getting better. Right. That's, mm-hmm. I think, Carrie, that's what kind of breaks your heart about a lot of these stories is, you know, research has told us that kids' eating habits up till the age of eight, you know, that sets their eating pattern for life. And it just becomes increasingly difficult for them to actually lose weight, you know, if they're already overweight right. at age eight. It is like dooming them for life. But should the state step in? See, and then you get on the sliding scale of at what point then should right. the states step in. Right. 866-33-SISTER, Satellite Sisters, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Leon Dolan and Monica Dolan. Our phone number is 866-33-SISTER. That's 866-337-4783. Sorry, Leon, I just looked at the CNN crawl, and they had a picture of Prince Charles, and it said, off with their buns. It's exactly exactly what we were talking about with kids and food and that kid in the U.K. Or if you want to send us an email, just go to SatelliteSisters.com. All right, let's try to get to these calls quickly. Let's talk to Susan in Phoenix. Hi, Susan. You're an attorney who works for Child Protective Services? Um, yes. Can I say first that I love you guys. I have three brothers and no sisters, so I want to be one of your sisters. Oh, Susan. Well, you are, Susan. That's what we're here for. Dallas. Yes, thank you. But on a more serious note, um, not an official call on my uh, in my job perspective, okay. but just in the area that I work. You know, just from what I know, if they ruled out all the medical conditions of the child, then the mother's neglecting the child. Yeah. And if his life is at risk because of what he what is going on, then the child probably should be removed. So it's, it's just as bad as, say, physical abuse, something like this. The right. Whole- or if the child, if, if, let's say he had cancer and she wasn't getting the appropriate treatment and his life was at imminent risk, then you would need to get him that treatment. And if, you know, you have court intervention and they still won't do it, then you have to remove the child. Hey, Susan, in a situation like that, this is Liz, where does the child actually go? Do they go into a foster family? Do they go into a hospital? How does that work if it was happening here in the States? Right. Well, it would depend on, I mean, if he needed to be in a hospital, then that's where he would go. But if it was a matter of somebody, I mean, it's the same thing if they're malnourished and they're not being fed, and then they'll put them in a foster home that's feeding them properly, mm-hmm. and then they gain a lot of weight within a short amount of time, then you know that it's because of the parenting. 
Right. So it would probably be in a foster home or maybe there's, you know, different levels of foster home that are more trained to deal with certain issues. But if, it, you know, I mean, obviously he's he has some behavior issues that if you say no, he's not going to be happy about it. But I just, you know, I'm a parent. He's only one years old, so it's probably easier to control. But I just can't imagine your eight-year-old, he can't get in the car and drive to Burger King. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You're you right do have that. control over that situation. All right. Lawyer Susan and Mom Susan. Excellent call, Susan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. That is true. Monica, they want her to put locks on the refrigerator there in England, and she won't do it. Right. right. She refuses to do it. And that's when she admitted that he still he, he eats like three or four bags of cookies a day. I yeah. mean, Someone's if she won't. The right. I mean, if if they told her to put locks on her refrigerator and to control his food or they were going to take him away, then she should do that. All right, let's go to quickly to Julie in Florida. All right, Julie, you have twin girls. I have twin girls that were born preemie, four and four, three. And the one that was smaller is actually now about 20 pounds heavier, and they're at age 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, they eat exactly the same. I am in control of every meal, and one of them, you know, just can't help it. She She has a weight issue. Right, right. So not obesity, but it has a weight issue. Now, as far as this little boy, if if there is a um, situation where they want to take him away and the mother doesn't agree with that, I'm on her side, except for the fact that if they want to help her, then let them help her without taking him away. Right, right. right. That seems like the civilized answer to that whole situation. Julie, thank you so much for your call. If we didn't get to your call... Uh, you can email us, SatelliteSisters.com. We'll follow up on email, SatelliteSisters.com. Yeah, come on over. We are your Satellite Sisters. It's great to be here with you. Our phone number is 866-33-SISTER. That's 866-337-4783. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Los Angeles with my sister, Leanne. How are you doing today, Leanne? I see you're snacking on a little South Beach diet. Like, mmm, smells delish. Yeah, that would be the garlic herb chicken with green beans, almondine, Liz. Very Thank nice. You very, much. very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Monica in Portland, you got anything going food-wise up there? Uh, I just had a handful of almonds, speaking of snacks, yeah. But I'll tell you, Liz, I'm missing that California sunshine. Really? Yeah. I was with you guys last weekend. Liz, thank you for all your hospitality. Oh, well. You you hosted a very nice Oscar fete for me. Wow. (laughs) It was just Monica and I and my friend Mary, so fete is a strong word for that situation. (laughs) It was three of us in chairs in my living room watching the Oscars, but food and drink was provided. Right, and I I was happy to be invited anywhere on Oscar nights. So it was really fun <laughs> to be with you. All right. Well, I mentioned a couple of things on yesterday's show that I need to do some follow-up on. Okay. All right, sisters, this is Liz. I mentioned that, well, I kind of announced that on Saturday I am leaving for the Middle East, which surprises me as much as it surprised anyone else. <laughs> but lucky me. And I said that I was going, to, that I would be reporting live from Jerusalem next week on Satellite Sisters. Well, okay, let's just start with that. I got an email from, signed just FG in Minneapolis. So FG says, girls, love the show, love all the satellite shtick, love everything you do, but can't take the way you pronounce Jerusalem. Please see that it's an S, 
not a Z, hence Jerusalem, not Jerusalem. So, okay, fair enough. I think I clearly, (laughs) I was just, part of it I'd like to say is the nasal condition I was experiencing Mm -hmm. yesterday, but thank you for that minor correction. I do appreciate that. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay, fine. Makes total sense once it's pointed out to you, doesn't it? Check. We appreciate that. Any other corrections you'd like to make? Just go to SatelliteSisters.com. Although we did have the Moscow-Moscow debate for years when Julie was in Moscow, and she basically says, hey, you can say Moscow or Moscow. It was the BBC that made up Moscow. Right. It's not any more correct than Moscow. Yeah, because so the Russians you, don't call it either of those yeah, two things. Yeah, it's, it's Mokba or something. Or something. <laughs> so, All right. if you've been waiting to write us on that, that's the response. Okay? <laughs> either one's fine. All right, and then on a more serious note, we got an email from Lana. Lana, thank you very much. She said, I heard your show today when you mentioned that one of the sisters will be traveling to Jerusalem soon. Uh, I'm not sure what the purpose of your trip is, but I would suggest that you take some time to visit some of the Palestinian refugee camps in the West Bank or Gaza. And, Lana, I am going to do that. That is part of my plan. I'm a guest of an organization that has said I can go wherever I want, and whoever I want to meet, they're going to take me there to meet them. So I told them I would like to talk to women in Israel and in the Palestinian territories because as long as I'm going to go, that's our goal here at Satellite Sisters is to understand how real women are living in all parts of the world. So I'm hoping that I will be able to do a little, uh, you know, talking about that on next week's show or after I get back. That's so, right, Liz. You're going to be reporting to kind of special reports next yes, week. Yes, so. because I'll be traveling around all day, but then with the time difference, I'll be able to get on the show in, you know, in bits and pieces. That'll so, be fun. so thank you, Lana, and thank you, FG. So, okay, so that's so far the plan with my trip to the Middle East. But the reason I brought it up, mm-hmm. the reason why it was urgent, was that I've been suffering, as, as you may be able to tell if you are a careful listener, from some serious nasal congestion. Yeah. And I just wasn't sure what to do about it. I'm normally the waited out sister. Sooner or later, it's going to clear itself up. It, it's never killed me before, and it's not going to kill me now. And so I just thought I would wait it out. However, when I thought about the very, very long plane ride I will be taking on Saturday. How long is it? Well, it's Los Angeles to Tel Aviv, Leanne. I have to. No, I know. That seems like a long time. So I leave L.A. first thing in the morning. I get to Newark, New Jersey in the late afternoon. Then I'm getting on an LL flight in the evening, like 11 p.m., and I arrive in the afternoon of the next day in Israel. But what the, I think it's like a 10-hour time difference. Anyway, you can do the math at home. It's a long fight. Particularly if you're, <laughs> if you're at the Mayo Clinic, if you'd like to figure that out and send us, in, <laughs> send us in the answer to that. So it's very long. So I was concerned, frankly, that my head was going to explode. Yes. That was our number one medical concern on satellite systems Yeah, yesterday. because it's not a good thing to get on a long flight with a cold or sinus infection. I know. It can really turn into something worse. Causes a lot of pain in your ears mm-hmm. and in your sinuses. So I I cannot thank you enough for the advice that has come in. Um, Chris from San Diego said, hi, Liz, try the neti pot, Zycam, and a humidifier, not a vaporizer, while sleeping. And Chris also, this was so helpful. She gave me the retail outlets where all of these things are available. Wow. Okay, the Zycam, I can get at Costco. Walgreens are longs. The the ultrasonic humidifier, that's also at Walgreens. I could go there. So thank you, Chris. That was helpful. Uh, Luann sent us the uh, website nettypot.org. So because I had said, until last week, I had never heard of a neti pot in my entire life. 
Now it seems like every time I turn on the radio or open a newspaper, somebody is telling me that that's the way to go. I've never heard of a neti pot. What is it? I still don't know what it is. Well, go to netipot.org. That'll answer any questions you have on that. (laughs) Brooke from Biloxi. In Biloxi, she uses Airborne. She totally believes in it. She said she's a waitress and bartender. She's constantly... Not just exposed to other people's germs. She's her word is immersed in other wow. people's germs. So she. Uh, so thank you, Brooke, for the airborne suggestion. Dawn uses liquid silver. She sprays mm. liquid silver into her nose and also takes it orally. I've never heard of that. I'll be looking into that. Dawn. <laughs> uh, Debbie uses something called Alkalol, which is a nasal wash. But then she used Debbie. I'm sorry. This is a very frightening phrase. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to follow your advice because of this. She uses the phrase nasal douche. Oh. And I know, I think that is essentially what a neti pot does. Okay. You know, you can picture it. Yeah. Now I can. Yes, I can. Nasal douche. I'm moving on from that. Uh, Patty wrote to say that she, number one recommendation is remove sugar from your diet. She thinks that adds to all of these infections. Really? Mm-hmm. And all, yes, that it just creates an environment for yeast to grow. It's just bad. And then she also says, eat a lot of yogurt. And so, Patty, thank you. I was just happy you didn't tell me to put the yogurt up my nose. <laughs> yeah, because so far all the other advice has been to squirt something up your nose. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pam B. wrote in. She said that the secret formula is salt, baking soda, warm water. Shoot it up your nose. But... <laughs> Make sure you are leaning over a sink when you do so. Oh, Pam, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And make sure to do both nostrils. I guess that, that makes sense, but thanks for the reminder. Uh, Kathy, Kathy, you're old school. Kathy in Minneapolis, she suggests the towel over the head, over the pot of steam, over the stove. Oh, you know, okay, I, I like it. That's what our mother would have suggested. You have to do this four to five times a day. Okay. <laughs> Doubles as a facial. <laughs> Yeah, just think of what your skin will be like, Liz. It'll be clean. All right, these were all your suggestions to help me solve my sinus problems. There's one here. There's no name on the email. I'm just going to call you Callie. You know who you are. Callie suggests instead of squirting saline saline in your nose to keep your sinuses clear, just go swim in the ocean. Oh, yes. yes. Good idea. You will get natural saline in your nose and sinuses without even trying. Thanks, Callie. Wow. That's true. It's a little bit chilly here for that, but it is doable. Uh, And then Craig and Chris lead them. Craig and Chris, maybe it was Craig or Chris, not sure who wrote the email. Uh, Again, it's with the neti pot and use pickling salt mm -hmm, or good quality sea salt. So I can can go with either of those. There was only the one caller yesterday that suggested I go to the pet store and get the stuff you put in a fish tank, and I'm not doing that either. So there you have it. Is that like... So are you following any of that? You're going to? You're considering it? I'm considering it, Have you put anything up your nose? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. This week. I think the most um, effective piece of advice I got yesterday was to seek professional care. (laughs) Normally, I would have let it go. But Sheila and others reminded me, you know, you can just even, I don't have a normal doctor here in L.A. This is my problem because I moved here a while ago and I just, I still see my old doctor in another city and I know it's crazy. So, okay, I'm fixing that. (laughs) But uh, so, but last night I went to one of the urgent care centers in my neighborhood. Yes. Worked out great. I mean, (laughs) oh, great. It was great. They have these doctors there. They're there. You tell them what's ailing you. They fix you right up. So, yes, Monica, I could do a demo right here. Hang on. 
She's reaching for the Flonase. Okay, the doctor gave me Flonase. Oh, I've used that in the right. past. So he said a combination of Flonase, na- nasal spray. Then there's a formula of Aleve, which is also a cold and sinus formula, time released. He said the Aleve is good because you have so much inflammation in your head and bronchial passages. You need to reduce the inflammation. And that's what the Aleve does. So he gave me that. And then he said, are you having trouble sleeping? Because a lot of his patients have been coming in and they're coughing so much they can't sleep. That has not been my problem. But when I explained to him the long plane ride and that I'll be traveling in very strange places next week that I've never been, he also gave me a prescription for some sleep aids for my plane oh. ride. Liz, so, there you have it. Yeah. There. Done. That was it. No mention of the neti pot. No. Doctor, no mention of the neti pot. <laughs> well, you know, docs don't really do that. And he was worried <laughs> about what I would be allowed to get on a plane with. You know, so he gave me a very small sample of Flonase. A three ounce? Yes. Three ouncer so you can put it in your clear plastic carry-on bag? Exactly, Monica. That was his guess that I would be able to actually get this on the plane. So we'll see about that. I'll report about that next week. Okay, coming up later on in this hour, it's a new day for Believe It or Not, Monica's weekly e-news quiz. Not e-news quiz, just weekly news quiz. We're going to need a guest player. Also, we have some feel-good stories, so stick around. But coming up next, how much do you know about your carbon footprint? And is it going to come back to bite you? I mean, really, honestly. Yeah, We're Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Monica Dolan and Leon Dolan. Now, Monica, I understand you have information for us about our carbon footprint. Well, uh, yeah, about our carbon footprint, but also, Liz, there was a big news story this week that Al Gore, you know, the former vice president, right. he's become kind of a leading spokesperson for global warming. Well, he's been criticized in the press because the news got a hold of some information that he has a 10,000-square-foot home in Nashville, mm-hmm. Tennessee, and he uses about $1,300 worth of electricity every month just to heat, cool, and light his home. Wow. Really? That seems like a lot. I mean, I've never lived in a 10,000-square-foot house. <laughs> that, is that more than would normally fuel that kind of house or are all those big houses sucking up that much juice i'm sure they all are i'm sure they all are you can imagine how much it must cost especially if you live in tennessee to like cool a house to have central air conditioning in ten thousand square foot house so some people are saying you know he's a little bit of a hypocrite you know that saving energy starts at home and that he's out there speaking about global warming and he should be doing something about it in his own home 
Well, I kind of agree. I, I do, mean, too, Liam. I mean, the truth is, if you should try to reduce your own personal carbon footprint, particularly if that's an issue that you really, really care about. I mean, I know if you have a 10,000-square-foot home, you're going to suck up a lot of energy, and you can make the argument, hey, the house is there. Someone's right. got to heat it. It <laughs> might as well be me. But I think it's going to be like the nanny issue. Remember how there was a time when people had nannies and housekeepers and right. they weren't paying their taxes, which right. is illegal. And, you know, they were paying a political price for it. And so then it became like number one question that's vetted before you get nominated to the Supreme Court. Are you paying your nanny? So you I, think the carbon footprint will now be the new nanny part of what you need yeah. to disclose? Yeah, I bet it will be. Or just, you know, you just you do have a right to kind of take a look at these people and say, hey, what are you personally doing? Because I know that Al Gore works on a macro level, and right. that kind of work is important. You know, mm-hmm. right. bringing I mean, together he, automakers and stuff, important. Right. He invests a lot of money, a lot of time in projects to reduce energy. And he also, his spokesperson says, he purchases a lot of energy from renewable energy sources like solar, wind, and methane to kind of balance the costs of the electricity for heating and cooling his house. Oh, you know what I think is interesting is that you can go and get an estimate of your own personal carbon footprint. And when I did that, I was really surprised. This is Liz. And I feel like I don't suck up a lot of juice. I live in a two-bedroom apartment. I drive a relatively small car. It's not like I'm, I don't feel like I'm one of those people that is abusing my allotment of fossil fuels. But then when you go through the test and you can do this, the one I did is at BP.com. It's at the British Petroleum website. But there are a bunch of them online. You would be surprised what your own personal use is of energy when you start to add in all the travel you do on airplanes Ah, airplane travel yes that's what really put me over the top monica and i did not do well on the test and it was eye-opening for me that's all i can say when are we going to find out leo's carbon footprint i'd like to see that we're the satellite sisters stay with us Satellite Sisters, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here with my sisters, Lee and Monica. Our phone number is 866-33-SISTER. That's 866-337-4783. Or if you want to send us an email, just go to SatelliteSisters.com. Now, Lee, and during the break, we got a call, right? Well, yeah, well, we, we were doing some calculations because Jim from Minneapolis called and said, hey, if you proportionally, my electricity bill is about the same as Al Gore. See, uh-huh. he lives in a smaller house. So if you multiplied, say, his 1,000-square-foot house times 10, right. they would have the same electricity bill. Okay. So, so yeah, you could buy that. It's the 10,000-square-foot house. That's the problem. It's not the cost of electricity. Yeah. I mean, remember when we were growing up and we'd go past big houses and our mother would always say, what would she always say? 
That must cost a fortune to heat. <laughs> yes, she would. That's true. That's and it's true. It does, Leon. So cost. those are the kind of things you need to think about. <laughs> right. Yeah, how much space do I need? Do right. I need a 10,000-square-foot home? Yeah, I don't question the cost of the bill. I, I'm sure it's that much money. And He's I'm not sh- just leaving all the lights on, yeah. leaving the refrigerator door open. <laughs> no, it's just when you start to get into those big houses, you just think, how much does that house cost to heat, cost to heat or cool? I mean, yeah. My husband's in real estate, so we, sometimes we look at these giant houses, and that's what I think, just the maintenance. Now, right. don't even get me started about the cost of watering all the lawn. Oh, that drives me crazy. <laughs> okay. I see a lot of that in my neighborhood in Southern California. Yeah, but if you're in Minnesota, you're spending a lot on heat. Heating, or if you're in right. Nashville, you're spending a lot on AC. AC. Right? So where do we need to go where we not need neither heat nor air conditioning? I suppose that's where humans should be dwelling. If we were That really would be along the coast, Liz. We would oh. all move to Northern California. Right. Like to yeah. the coast. Right. But then you have your earthquake situations. <laughs> okay. And with global warming, that's going to be flooded. <laughs> that's right? right. The seas are going to rise 20 feet in Malibu. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe I'm Pasadena, perfect spot, 25 miles from the coast. I'm okay. good. <laughs> You're just going to have to quit turning on that air conditioning. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about people who are trying to change the world, uh, I just want to – I watched uh, the other night uh, Oprah's special, Building a Dream, the special that ran on ABC about her uh, – the school that she built in South Africa. And I got to say this. I know you may think – you already know about what she did there because it got a lot of publicity at the time. Right. When she opened the school at the beginning of January, you know, they got a lot of coverage. If you read her magazine, watch the TV show, you've seen a lot of details about that. You have not seen the true story of what's going on there until you've seen Building a Dream. Oh, really? And they're, it was and, worth they're, it? and they're going to replay it on Saturday. I think it's 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, but check your local listings on ABC. It's Yeah, it was just so much more of what is really important about the story, which is the girls. Mm. The, the hour is almost entirely about who are these girls, where did they come from, what did they need, what would their lives be if they weren't removed from their environment in this way. I got to tell you, well, you know I'm a sucker for stuff like this anyway. But I've, not that big a sucker. I mean, I'm a sucker. Yeah. But you're usually, um, <laughs> you can usually keep a dry eye. Okay. Well, this was like one hour of sobbing as I watch every, every oh, frame Liz. of it. No. no. Well, you know, I've traveled a lot in Africa. I've been in some of these cities and villages where you just see the devastation that AIDS has wrought. And that came on top of sort of the grinding poverty a lot of these families were living in anyway. And you just, you meet these girls. I was in Zambia a couple of years ago. And remember I told you guys about it? Yeah. You meet these girls, they're like 10 years old. And you just think, how are they ever going to just live to adulthood and lead any kind of a reasonable life? The deck seems so stacked against them mm-hmm. that if they're, if they don't, get HIV AIDS or die of malaria, then they're going to find themselves in some very exploitive situation where, you know, a man is taking advantage of them or, you know, in a lot of these countries, going to school is not free, so they don't learn to read. You know, in a country like Zambia, 60% of the population is unemployed, okay? So, you know, that this is not a path that is going to lead anyone to a fulfilling life. And so when they go through all these stories of the girls in the TV show, it's just amazing. Okay, here's something, you guys. We would all be, like, welling up at the same time. The very first girls they profile, 
two sisters. sisters. Oh. oh. Oh, no. So, yeah, so these unbelievably adorable sisters, uh, Megan and Sade. They're, both of their parents are dead uh, and died when they were five and six. And so now they're in like the seventh and eighth grade. And one of them is like really lively and outgoing. And the younger one actually is just like, I'm going to get into the school and this is going to change our lives. And the older one is a little more mellow. You can see that she has borne maybe a little bit more of the responsibility when their parents died. Just like an incredible pair of girls and you get a little bit of their backstory and you just understand how this is really going to change their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, and when when you're there and, and you meet girls, that's that's like all you can think about doing when you meet these girls. Like what could you personally possibly do to change the trajectory of this person's life? And that's what Oprah keeps saying. But what's amazing when you look at the special is that the scope of what they're doing is so fantastic. I mean, Oprah says women are going to change the face of Africa. And I totally agree with her on that, that if we can save these girls and the women, by the way, the grandmothers who are caring for most of these girls, because remember what what HIV HIV AIDS Mm -hmm. has done is basically wipe out all the parents. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there was that special on CNN, where have all the parents gone? You know, that Christian Amanpour did. And when you're there, you just keep asking yourself that. You just see like a whole generation in the middle that's kind of missing. So the to be able to not just change the lives of these girls enrolled in the academy, but but to believe that this could change the face of Africa, mm-hmm. I can see why she believes that. But it's such an amazing commitment to have made, you know. And then at the very end, they uh, she she talks a little bit about a hundred years from now, this mm-hmm. is going to be the result, and how fantastic right. to be able to think on that scale. I mean, she can operate on a scale that many other people can't but she does it. she She goes for it man and she totally went for it here and it's just but when you meet all the individual girls some of them are city girls some of them are very rural they reached out to as many schools as they possibly could and it just must have been the the announcement to the girls that they're in was obviously very satisfying and you see that in the special but to be able to have to decline anyone must must have have been been really heartbreaking heartbreaking Because it's, I mean, she wanted what she calls it girls, girls mm-hmm. that were going to change the face of Africa. But, you know, you go into any community there. When I was in this little town in Zambia um, called Mangu, really, really in the middle of nowhere. And the school was sort of a grown-up who was not even trained as a teacher under a tree with all the kids sitting on the ground. They're trying to do the best they can. So I was watching this thing uh, the Oprah special and imagining one of those girls from that little village, Mm -hmm. you know, that they reached into really tiny towns in South Africa like that. And to be able to reach into a little village like that and save one or two or three of those girls and move them into an environment where they're going to have all the skills and training and confidence they need to then go back and make a change. It, it is pretty darn amazing. So I would just say, I know that there was a lot of attention about it. There when was, it and Liz, I didn't watch the special because I felt like, oh, I kind of saw it. You didn't kinda see saw it. it. That, okay. That's my message mm-hmm. about the special. Okay. You didn't see it. And there's one moment where there's a girl who... Uh, Are we going to cry? Yeah. 
don't, don't make us cry on the air. Uh, okay, go for it, but well, I don't want to cry. I mean, these girls are just so amazing because they're so ambitious for themselves yeah. against all odds. Right, it, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they see a lot of people around them uh, uh, thriving and succeeding, and they want that too. They don't see anyone around them thriving and succeeding. So the fact that they can have this vision for their own success when it's not modeled for them in any way is pretty staggering. So this one girl in the interview with Oprah, she's sort of taking her on a little bit. She said, well, if I get to grade 12 and then I want to go to university, what's going to happen then? In other words, like, <laughs> okay, I'm just like, is it going to, this is, this is not the end. And, uh, and Oprah says, if you get there, I will pay. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't want to make you cry, but in that moment, Oprah cries. And the girl, her, her eyes get really wide like she hadn't heard this piece of information before. Yeah. And then she just puts her head in her hand and she cries. So, I don't know. Just I would say tune in. <laughs> just TiVo alert. It's more... It's just the information that you really need about why this is important. It's what Oprah is doing, but also there's stuff you can do, too. You know, I mean, you guys know I'm going back to Africa in uh, right. in June. It's just really inspirational to see that there are programs out there. You can plug into things that are going to change the trajectory of their lives and their countries and their whole continent. So there you go. That's my report. Okay, Saturday. March 3rd on ABC, 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central. That's when the Oprah special's on. Now from to the ridiculous and <laughs> the Monday. Hey, we're going hey. to believe, believe it or not. <laughs> after that, we're going to collect ourselves. We need a guest player, 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. the Satellite Sisters. I'm Liz Dolan here with my sisters, Leanne and Monica. Leanne, you and I are now going to gang up against Monica, right? Because it's time for Monica's Believe It or Not. Liz, I'm going alone. Okay, you you're on your own. I know you don't usually play Believe It or Not, but no, the I new don't. day and time yeah. uh, has you in the game. You're on your own, sister. <laughs> okay, and we are going to Julie in River Falls, Wisconsin, because Julie, you were going to play along with us, right? I am, yes. Do you know how Believe It or Not works? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Monica. Okay, you guys, it's my weekly news quiz. It's the time in the show when I try to stump you. I'm going to present three news stories from the past couple weeks. Two of the stories are true. One is the figment of my imagination. You have to try to guess which headline is bogus. And, you know, each week I choose a theme. And this week, in honor of that waitress saying to Leon last week, strap on the feed bag. (laughs) Okay. We're going to do weird restaurant news. Oh, good. Okay. Story number one, big restaurant. The Tokyo suburb of Shinjuku will soon be home to the world's largest restaurant. 
the Yumi Corporation is constructing a restaurant complex that will be able to seat 3,000 diners at oh, one sitting. Whoa! 3,000 diners at once. There's actually going to be four separate restaurants and a fast food service outlet. And they're going to include a steakhouse, a teppanyaki house, and what will be billed as the world's longest sushi bar, able to seat 400 patrons at once. Wow. Go for it. The restaurant will also contain six waterfalls, a 20,000-gallon fish tank, and employ close to 300 chefs, waiters, and service personnel. So story number one is big restaurant. We're playing Believe It or Not. Try to guess which restaurant story is bogus. Story number two, suds and taxes. (laughs) Oh, New Jersey tax accountant Carmine Sidora offers a unique unique twist to his clients. It's called Carmine Sidora's Tavern Tax Services. Okay? So instead of meeting his clients at the office, Carmine sets up shop in a local New Jersey bar, (laughs) and he offers his clients cold beer and peanuts along with financial services. Now, last year he attracted 25 new customers, but he said there's been a lot of good word of mouth this year, so he's hoping to get a much bigger crowd for suds and taxes. Suds and taxes. Okay. Okay. Story number two. Story number three, giant burger. Love love those giant burgers. Okay. (laughs) Pennsylvania restaurant Denny's Beer Barrel Pub has something new on the menu. It's a 123-pound hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This hamburger, it's made with an 80-pound beef patty and has a pound each of lettuce, ketchup, relish, mustard, and mayo. Comes with 160 slices of cheese, <laughs> five onions and 12 tomatoes, and let's not forget the pound of banana peppers and th- and the 30-pound bun, okay? A 30-pound bun. 30-pound bun, Liz. So <laughs> restaurant owner Denny Leige created the burger in order to enter it in the Guinness Book of World Records, but you need to bring your friends and family with you and some cash because the burger is Three hundred and seventy-nine dollars. Okay. So story number three is giant burger. So let's review. We have big restaurant in Tokyo, suds and taxes <coughs> in New Jersey, and the giant burger in Pennsylvania. Monica, this is a tough one this week. They all have some co- very convincing details yes. attached to them. All mm. right, we always go to Julie first. Mm. <laughs> that's yeah. a tough one. That's the motto in our family, go to Julie first. So Julie from uh, River Falls. Okay. Oh, just um, take a guess. I'm going to say the Tokyo one is not true. I'm thinking the percentage of wait staff to the clientele is not high enough. That's about the only thing I can think of. And I think the tax people, I think he is doing that, so... Okay, you know what? This is Leanne. I am going to agree with Julie. That's what stuck out to me, the 300 waiters and the chefs. I'm like, that's not that many people working there, even though your pronunciation of the Tokyo suburb was very effective. (laughs) I am going to go with the big restaurant. All right, well, this is Liz. I'm going to go with Suds and Taxes because I have a vision, Monica, that when you were in Santa Monica last week, you saw a place in my neighborhood called 
Coffee and Counsel. And it's like a coffee shop where you can get free legal help. Or not free, but you can get legal help. So I'm thinking that Coffee and Counsel was the inspiration for your invention of suds and taxes. There you go. Wow. Very good. Wow. There's a lot of reasoning this week. <laughs> I, I, I like that. People were paying attention. Okay, the giant hamburger is real. You probably could have guessed that. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, every year someone comes up with another big hamburger. Okay. Mm. Suds and Taxes was real, Liz. Oh. And I did I did make up the big restaurant. And uh, thank you, Leon, for my uh, compliment, compliment me on my pronunciation <laughs> of Shinjuku. But you're right. You know what? Julie, that last detail about the wait, the chefs and waiters, I almost left that out. Ooh, and I wish I, I had. Like yeah. You know, I made that up, but I should have left that out. That was the telltale detail, wasn't it, it Julie? It, it, wasn't, it was. It wasn't the 400 patron sushi bar? Yeah, that, again, I was thinking you would need 40 chefs alone to service a 400 oh. patient. Oh, wow, Julie, way to go. Way Thank to go. You, you are a good player here, I believe it or not. Hey, you know what? It's probably because I'm wearing my Black uh, Satellite Sisters t-shirt today. All right. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> How'd Radio you get aware? <laughs> Julie, hang on. Joanne needs to talk to you. If you didn't get through, you could always contact us at SatelliteSisters.com. SatelliteSisters.com. We're the Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters.